Welcome back to the Brexit Brits Abroad podcast. I'm Dr. Michaela Benson. In today's episode, I'm speaking with Chantelle Lewis, who works with us on the project, about the research that she's been doing, talking Brexit with UK citizens of colour living in the EU27. This is a really great piece that talks through those questions about Britishness and belonging that we've been covering over the last few podcasts and really adds another perspective, shall we say, on those questions about who is allowed to be British in light of Brexit, but also locates this within a far longer history of questions about who belongs. Chantelle's also a PhD student in sociology in the department here at Goldsmiths, where she's doing research on mixed race families. I asked her to describe in a little bit more detail the research that she's doing for that PhD. Um, So my PhD research is looking at the experiences of mixed race families in a predominantly white town um, in the West Midlands. Um, I'm looking at how they manage the imagined binary of mixedness being both progressive and problematic with sort of looking at the intersection of race, class and gender in Britain. We asked you to join us on the project specifically because of the skill set that you've got in relation to that. Maybe you want to tell us a little bit more about what you're doing on the project. So I was brought into the project to increase the representation of British people of colour living within the um, EU 27 during the Brexit process. Um, So I've been um, having informal conversations as well as um, recorded interviews um, over Skype, FaceTime and over the phone with British people of colour permanently residing within the EU 27. So really, your role has been to help us with the diversity of that population, with breaking down those stereotypes that we often have in our heads about who the UK citizens are who live outside of the UK. Definitely, I think a key part of my contribution to the research is identifying just how diverse these populations are. They are not just white British people living within the EU27, they are people of colour as well. So a a population of UK citizens living overseas who are more representative of the current demographics of the UK today, I suppose, would be one way of, of putting that. We've been talking quite a lot since you started working with us on the project about what the kind of key themes are that are emerging through the conversations you've been having with UK citizens of colour living in the 27. What's particularly striking to me is that it seems that the kind of narrative, the way that they tell their stories about leaving Britain, about living in the EU, about Brexit are framed quite differently, both in terms of the kind of affect and emotionality of those decisions and of the Brexit moment, but also in terms of how they talk about themselves, how they talk about their experiences. Um, And this gives a really, really different intonation, I would say, to our understandings of how Brexit's experienced by UK citizens living abroad. From your point of view, what would you say are the key themes that are coming out of those conversations that you've been having? I would say a key theme within the majority of the conversations that I've had with the UK citizens of colour um, living in the E27 is the role of racism. So 
in their experiences, racism is a really important factor when looking to explain how Brexit affects them personally and what Brexit means to them. So the conversations we've had have centred around um, the referendum campaign and how that showed um, Britain in a racist, possibly for them, a racist light and how it increased um, xenophobia in Britain and also how their position as a person of colour living within the EU27 possibly brings about um, personal incidences um, of racism. Um, So it's definitely interesting to see how that is a centre for them when I'm looking to talk to them about Brexit. What do you think's different though about the way that they talk about Brexit and racism? Because of course that discourse around Brexit as having been the consequence of or having brought to light new forms of racism in Britain is quite prominent within some of the initial kind of commentary and analysis of Brexit. For some of the people of colour I've spoken with, um, Brexit represents sort of business as usual with regards to sort of casual racism. Um, For some people, Brexit wasn't a surprise to them and the racism they describe wasn't something which, which shocked them. It's something that they've come to be used to. So more a continuation rather than something new. Yeah, definitely. It's sort of the emphasis really is on the ordinary experiences of racism that they talk to me about that Brexit has flagged up for people, white people as well as people of colour. So Brexit is not an extraordinary moment for them in that respect. It's actually located in that longer history of what they see as a kind of a racialized politics of belonging in Britain. Yeah, definitely. It was really interesting speaking with people that weren't necessarily shocked by the racism that was present within the referendum and also the result. Almost like, a, of course, of course, Britain wants to take back control of its borders. Of course, Britain doesn't want any more immigration. This is, this is the Britain that I know. I think that's a really notable difference when we look across the interviews that we've been conducting for the project, because I know that we've been talking particularly about the very different uh, intensities of those interviews. All of the interviews we've done have been intense in some ways, but it seems certainly for many of the British people that I've been speaking to in France, that Brexit has kind of been a moment where they have suddenly found what they thought they knew called into question in ways that hadn't happened to them before. So as I referred to in a previous podcast, they found this Britishness that they'd kind of taken for granted suddenly questioned in a variety of ways. And they related that through their experiences of what they describe as being driven off the road in the UK or being told that they shouldn't have any rights to vote because, you know, After all, they've left the country, they're traitors, deserters in some way. So for them, that moment of Brexit really is described as changing the tone of things. But that doesn't seem to be what's happening in the case of the conversations that you've been having with UK citizens of colour. It's experienced really, really differently. And I think that that's quite interesting. I wondered how then we might understand this within those broader themes of Britishness and belonging that we've been talking about over the course 
of the last few podcasts. What does the case of these UK citizens of colour that you have been having conversations with tell us that we might feed back into that conversation about Britishness and belonging? What's really important, I think, to highlight for British people of colour living within the EU27 is that these people are identified as their skin colour before they are identified as British. So they have to have the journey of being recognised, having that recognition of actually being British before it not being questioned. So there is always this questioning of where they belong straight away, even if people say, oh, I'm British. They're like, oh, really? Like, Are you? You don't look like you're British. Lots of those instances happen like before Brexit, after Brexit. So for people of colour with regards to belonging, what Brexit has resurfaced is that the idea of being British is in fact an exclusionary term. It claims that it's all-encompassing of British values, British ideas, this sort of sense of community, but really what it is is a way to differentiate populations. What you're pointing to is the extent to which this everyday racism that the people that you're talking to have related about their lives in Britain is actually revealing of the content of that Britishness that we've been talking about in other episodes. And it's a question of who is allowed to belong to Britain today. And that's how that racism is experienced. Definitely. And I think that what we possibly should be asking now is not necessarily what it means to be British, but what the purpose of Britishness is. Is the purpose of Britishness to be inclusive of experiences or is it to show that experiences are dependent on one's skin colour? And just to clarify, when you say the purpose of Britishness, do you mean that in relation to the claims that people make themselves about who they are or are you talking about Britishness at a different scale? What I'm talking about here is who's allowed to call themselves British and who is validated as British without having to justify their identity. I think that this interpretation adds a lot to the understandings of Brexit, Britishness and belonging among UK citizens living in the EU27 that we've been building up over the last few weeks. I wondered if you might like to introduce some of the conversations that you've been having to give us more of a flavour of how this works. I've made a point of asking people explicitly what being British means to them and what Britishness is for them and if they feel British and quite a few responses to this question have been almost surprised that I'm asking them um, about what it means to be British. Surprised maybe because it's been it's the first time someone's ever asked them that or surprised because they've never actually thought what does it actually mean to be British and am I British? Um, So an example comes from one interview I did this is when I asked um, the interviewee about Um, how people reacted when she described herself as British whilst living in um, Spain. So she said, definitely, because I feel like no matter where I go, if I say I'm British or from London, there's always another question that follows. And it's not something to say, oh, that someone, when they ask me, that they're always trying to be offensive. I don't believe that is the case. I do feel like there is very much a case of too foreign here and too foreign for there. 
For that reason, like when I'm signing forms, you have to put black British or white British. And it's actually like, is the term British a real thing? Is it a real entity? Because I don't believe in it, because I feel like British is a new term to differentiate more as opposed to being English. If I say I'm English, people go like, you're not technically English, are you? It feels more comfortable to say I'm British as opposed to I'm English. But I do feel very British. My mum was brought up in East London and my dad was brought up in Jamaica, but he was the only one. But he was born here, but he was brought up in Jamaica and he came back. So I think my dad is more British than Jamaican. And I grew up with eating British food and my mum doesn't really cook Caribbean food that much. And if anything, I wasn't even exposed to it. I've been to Jamaica once. I feel more British than Caribbean, definitely. But that's not to say I'm not proud of my roots. It's a very awkward identity crisis, I would say. I think there are lots of really, really fascinating things in that quotation. And we'll come back to that contradiction at the end in a minute. The one that I wanted to focus on now was this distinction between what Britishness is and what Englishness is. Is that something that you've come across elsewhere in your interviews? So the absence of Englishness within my interviews is... it's unavoidable like we don't talk about Englishness we people don't describe themselves as English they describe themselves as British or black British or a British person of colour now looking at the history of that and why people possibly people of colour don't associate themselves with Englishness I think could answer much more interesting questions about whose rights are important in this Brexit debate and I've turned to um, looking at writing from Paul Gilroy and There Ain't No Back in the Union Jack and he regards the assumption that Britishness and Englishness is interchangeable as as wrong like we shouldn't um, put them even in the same sentence because they're completely different. He basically states that dominance in Britain Um, can maintain its authority without a unified culture, using Britishness as a facade of inclusion when simply as a way of maintaining a separation from Englishness. So by positioning British identity as an important part of nationality, this exclusion is disguised as inclusion in order to protect Englishness. So you asked me about what Englishness means with regards to Britishness. Well, it's very different, um, but Britishness is almost something which sustains Englishness and keeps Englishness separate. It's really fascinating that that argument that Paul Gilroy put forward first in the 1980s has such prescience today, I think. What it really makes clear is who is allowed to associate with particular types of identities. So Britishness is constructed precisely to offer a possibility for belonging to people whom the category of Englishness might exclude. And yet, really, what we start to see is that Britishness quite often gets used as a shortcut for Englishness. So the question about whether it actually is this inclusive identity is the one that he was drawing attention to and the one that you're drawing attention to there. And I think that this uneasy contradiction really is at the heart of the contradiction that that we get to by the end of your quotation. I also think it's really important that we bring those discussions about Britishness and Englishness back into the conversation about Brexit 
And I certainly know that colleagues in political science have started to look at that leave and remain divide and have started to say, well, you know, where can we see Britishness? Where can we see Englishness within these conversations, within these um, voting trends? And recent conclusions have stressed that among that leave voting population, there's a more ready association with what we might call the symbols of Englishness. So certainly we do start to see Englishness as an exclusionary category in that respect. So to go back to your question about what's Britishness for, where do you think you would take that? I would say that Britishness is not just for excluding populations, but also it gives people a sense of inclusion, which is symbolic, but may not actually be true to the lived experiences of these people. So to be British is something that you sort of hold on to, regardless of the racism that you experience, regardless of the hostilities that you're surrounded by, regardless of xenophobia growing. Britishness is something that holds symbolic value. What becomes really clear in that quotation that you read to us earlier is how she does reflect some of those ideas that we find in the work of Paul Gilroy and others. Do you want to reflect on that a little bit? Yeah, so it's, it's, it was really interesting and not the first time that someone has um, spoken of Britishness in this way to me, that um, we discuss and almost dissect how problematic the category of Britishness is. And then the conversation ends on the fact that the person, or Robin in this case, still feels very British. They're very much attached to their Britishness in the same breath that they've told me that they're not really sure what it means. And you can understand that if it feels like the um, identity that you've attached yourself to often questions whether you're able to have it or be associated with it, then of course you're, you're stuck between feeling like you belong and the practical realities of whether you do actually belong. Of being told whether you belong, yeah. mm-hmm. I suppose. That's great, Chantelle. Thank you very much. I think we've really highlighted very clearly and drawn attention to some of the complexities around those questions of Britishness and belonging among UK citizens living in the EU27. And certainly in talking through the case of these UK citizens of colour, we're starting to understand in greater detail the longer histories within which those conversations are located. So thank you very much. Thank you, Michaela. Thank you for listening to the Brexit Brits Abroad podcast. If you've enjoyed what we've been talking about today and want to find out more, check out our website, www.brexitbritsabroad.com. Or you can follow us on social media via Twitter, at BrexPatsEU, and on Facebook. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. And I'll speak to you again soon.